to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. of an angel <laughs> Do, where were you when you found out that Henry Kissinger ate shit and died and is in hell now real talk I was in a DSA meeting oh wow that's a good answer yeah <laughs> and somebody I mean, s- just started going holy sh- oh fuck fuck what <laughs> like Thought something maybe bad happened, but no, it was something good. It was oh fuck, oh fuck, I'm gonna come. That sort yeah, of oh right. fuck. That's that's a good one. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot because this is like nine eleven or something. You know, like everyone's gonna remember forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing a Dragon Ball Z video game, and I looked down at my phone, oh. and I like to then I imagined that I was punching him. You know in the in the the afterlife that exists in that game which is that you go and you have to run along snake way which is a long road on the back of a dragon ah i wish alex was still here (laughs) (laughs) he would add something to add to that i'm sure right the henry kissinger dragon ball z riff seems like perfectly tailored for uh oh man Not, not, not that we're rudderless not that we can't deal with it just uh Man, still still a functional show without him. Just trying yeah. to trying to make that make that seamless uh, seamless segue. How would that? Okay, he's uh, they have the one guy in Dragon Ball Z, not an expert, but they have some of the bad guys who are like uh, kind of very limited mobility, right? What do you mean limited mobility? <laughs> you know, isn't there one of those bad that's got like the really big head? Am I remembering there's that right? There's he's a got like, guy oh, my brain hurts, and he's but and like it gets really big and then explodes or shoots energy at people. Am I remembering I have that right? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Which guy? Describe what he looks like in your head. Braino. Braino. That's what I'm gonna, Braino. That's it's a Dragon Ball Z character. Not you know it damn well. That's not what they're called. They're all named after food. <laughs> oh shit i never thought of what is goku goku's real name his saiyan name is kakarot he's a carrot and vegeta is just what? vegetable nappa who's vegeta's friends is nappa cabbage uh one of the other saiyans is named raditz so he's a radish um and then frieza free i think you might have been thinking of frieza like the one that's all yes. white okay yeah he's so his father is like named like Icebox or some shit. They're just all named after ref- refrigerators. It's real weird. That show doesn't are, make any fucking sense. You are blowing my mind right now. I feel like Grano <laughs> with all this new information that's you keeping it about the like, show I've seen. You will, yeah. Now that your head is full of Dragon Ball Z knowledge, you look just like Braino, the character we all know and love. <laughs> all I all I'll say about is, and this is probably, I assume, not an original uh, critique, but I do remember watching. It was out at seven a.m. 
uh, where I lived, and I did not have cable, so that's the only way I could watch it in my house as a kid. Uh-huh. And a- an entire episode would just be, we see Braino in the distance. He's just here on this plane for some reason. We happen to be on the same plane like we're in South Dakota and we're like a hundred yards away. He can't see us, but we're behind this hill and he's slowly getting closer. And that's the episode. And there are fight scenes, but you have to wait till next time, which is also at 7 a.m. You have to come back in a week and see the fucking showdown. Yeah, no, the the joke everyone makes about Dragon Ball Z is that there's like entire episodes that are just a guy like charging up and going, you know, Uh, that's what Lennon was talking about when he said there are decades when nothing happens and Mm. then there's weeks when decades happens. He was talking about the the relative flow of time in the Dragon Ball Z universe, which he was a big fan of as is uh, canon. There you go. He's got a big head. He's got a big, he's, they called him Braino because uh, he was an egghead. And that's actually where a lot of his philosophy came from was how, um, I guess he, he strikes me as a Vegeta. I think if he's anyone in the group, he's kind of got the same hairline as Vegeta. Uh huh. Yeah. Hold on. We're on to something here. And then Napa is his Stalin. I don't know. Anyways, hello everyone. Welcome to the show. It's Pod Damn America, the Gothic Socialist Podcast for the stupid children. I've got to reach these children. I'm Jake Flores. That's Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. And uh it's a good week. It's been too good of a week. Honestly, I'm kinda like I'm mad this motherfucker died in the middle of the week because I was getting a lot of stuff done, and then it was impossible not to drop everything and then go like party and socialized <laughs> with people because at least more people texted me when he when henry kissinger died than like my birthday <laughs> you know like any other normal thing and we you got crazy. the the horny text right from the original sender yeah i got <laughs> so uh our pal rachel millman i think co-wrote that or her friend wrote it somebody else like a friend of hers made that one of those texts with all the emojis in it that's like happy cocktober blah blah you know one of those fucking things right which you have to send this message to uh 10 other people if you want to get dicked down or something like that yeah (laughs) i can't tell how real these things are because this this was a real phenomenon 20 years ago chain email where you had to send it (laughs) to 10 other people you got bad luck and i didn't do it and i got bad luck well, you you already have you just have bad luck, and you ascribe it to things like my cat and not doing the chain email and stuff like that. I mean, how else did I? How else was I? Did I not get dicked down for so long? <laughs> well, riddle me this, Andersley. Have you since done? The, is that why you sent it to me? Is that like let's do this side of the experiment? If you send it to ten people, are you going to get dicked down? <laughs> Is the jury still out? We will out? see. <laughs> we will see. I think my odds have increased. But I yeah. sent it to uh, a group chat, uh, which I won't for something I won't talk about, but uh, <laughs> not a lot of people in it appreciate it. I know someone, well, I, this, I saw this on Twitter. Someone got fired for accidentally sending the Thanksgiving one to his <laughs> boss a couple of years ago. That's so funny. Yeah. 
which is like, there's so many accidental texts that I feel like you could send to your boss and get away with. Like, you'd be like, yeah, I'm just, uh, man, are, are you also really just psyched about all this, uh, all these brain exercises we're going to do after work to be uh, more industrious uh, employees? Like, uh, <laughs> I can see sending that to a boss and they would like it. But once you start talking about uh, exercising your stress and coming to work, little more chill after all that sex you have from these, these chain te- sex they they don't like it for some reason wow i think i gather what you were alluding to in the entire arc of that <laughs> drugs and then sex i think um so i like i guess what milman told me is that like yeah that was like a thing her and her friend had loaded up for when kissinger dies which is mm. we've all been there's like all these memes that people have had you know, ready to go. And the joke is that he's like, um, Keith Richards or something. And he's just never going to die. So he died. And so she texted it to me. And then like, I, you texted it to me and all these other people did. And I honestly, I've been looking at like Instagram and stuff. It's been hitting all these aggregator things. It, it went very viral. It went crazy. And it's very funny to see like people that don't know any of us then sharing it around with their friends. And then it comes back to you and stuff. The internet really is, it's quite magical sometimes, but there was a good one. There were a lot of good ones. It was a, it was a Twitter holiday. I'm glad I am, um, of, you know, free of the cynicism that would stop you from enjoying this sort of thing. Some of the people I really hate on Twitter are like, you know, um, proposed leftists, but they're like weird, like, you know, like Chapo outer circle sock dem guys who are mostly just into like the internet and then like the politics stuff is part of it. And uh, there's a thing where a lot of these people like really drag on people that make like, I I'm going to dance on Henry Kissinger's dra- grave, your whole personality or whatever, because it's like cringy or whatever. But that's the thing is they're motivated by like, by you know beating up on people for being cringe or whatever but like yeah i get it if you're if you're coming from a joke writing perspective yeah everyone's done this it's kind of an affectation you know everyone being like i fucking hate henry kissinger so it's kind of a bandwagon but lighten the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 a good net good and the the point of life is not to be as shrouded in, you know, in a defensive like thing of irony as possible. And, you know, to only be like, like really, really cynical. And, and I just, I see that I see a day like yesterday happen. And I imagine not being able to enjoy that. Cause you're like, so insecure that you, you know, you're like, Oh, everyone's doing it. And like, that's the saddest thing in the world. Well, it's just Man. funny because, like, it started out before that was uh, arguably like a, a hacker cringe thing to to say to wish for somebody's death. Like, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that that wasn't really done in the same way as it is now on online. Uh, at least it's so publicly, um, and so it's gone through like a couple cycles. It's just just people have been waiting for him to die for so damn long, and it finally happened once he hit the. Uh, Triple digits. Is that, he's, oh, 
a hundred years old. <laughs> what a fucking century old. So I've read an article and it started with like, cause it was an article. It started with the, you know, $10 fucking term. It was like centigerian or whatever the fuck the term is. It's not octogenarian. Centigenarian is what you call someone. Okay. They're a hundred years old. Uh, fuck you. Henry Kissinger passed away this week. Yada, yada, yada. And, um, also, I mentioned this in the bonus episode, but I'm saying this as often as possible because I need people to know. Honorary Harlem Globetrotter Henry Kissinger died. <laughs> he was a member mm. of the Harlem Globetrotters honorarily, like when a college decides you've done a good enough job that they give you the degree anyway. Which I I've always wondered, could you like apply for a job with that shit? You probably don't need it. Probably. If- Wouldn't hurt, right? Unless you're applying for the Washington Generals. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if I, I take it he never went on in the paint. He just uh, it was just like a sachet or something. What well, it would make Hopefully way more sense for him to play for the Washington Generals. He works right. in Washington and utilizes generals. Yeah, I guess he was a New York sports guy. The Yankees issued a statement, and I I believe he had a villa somewhere. North, I guess, in Westchester. Um, so it's part of his jurisdiction, sports-wise. But uh, yeah, okay. I, uh, I watched the trials of Henry Kissinger last night, uh, which is like based on sort of the Christopher Hitchens book, and he's in it a little bit, but less actually than I remembered. I, th- I remembered it as like narrated by Christopher Hitchens, and I thought it was like, oh god, is this going to be just like following him around as he's. This is the staple of like any like doc or like special on news TV that Christopher Hitchens has been in where he like goes to a place where he's not supposed to be and someone politely tries to kick him out and he's like, why? How dare you? With like, even fine Bernays souls. Yeah. yeah, there's one. There's a great uh, scene like this documentary did about Cyprus where he's like coming in on a boat in the Mediterranean with like his shirt unbuttoned <laughs> and they're like, you cannot enter here. And he's just like with, a, he has his own megahorn. He's like, why not? <laughs> and then, it, but then also at like a state, a football game in Texas, he like gets kicked off the sideline and he's like cursing at the official. Like he just does it to do it. So that's what I thought this doc would be, but it's actually not. He's, he has a light role in it. It's narrated by Logan Roy. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> How? But what? When is it from? By the way, you're turn around a little bit. You're peeing a little bit. I think I am too. Turn down. Yeah, just a little bit. Turn down okay. for what? Okay. Uh, it's from 2001, and it's interestingly. That's crazy because he wasn't Logan Roy back then. No, he wasn't. Um, and it's interesting because they they filmed it. I, I believe for you know. Most of 2001 was pre 9 11, but then it came out after 9 11. And so at the end, they announced that one of the uh, children of the victims of Pinochet is filing a lawsuit against Henry Kissinger. And the date that the lawsuit is filed and is supposed to be a big news story is 9 11 2001. No, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But they say, in the, but in the movie, I guess it was released like maybe a month after 9-11 or something because they're like, unfortunately, it was overshadowed. 
by other things like uh ryan adams album release that's like how uh fucking what's his face from the pogues died yesterday too nobody's gonna remember that yeah shane mcgowan um that's funny do you know what else happened right around 9-11 is george carlin had an album or a special he was working on the 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 title and concept of the special was it makes me happy when lots of people die. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think he's just, it didn't change the name. He just scrapped the whole fucking thing. I think is what happened. Right. I've heard some of the audio though. They have it somewhere. Um, also, yeah, the, the coup released that. I think that was on nine 11 that they had their album party music or something like that. Yeah. But they uh, didn't turn around and go, Oh, let's be respectful. The coup is based. It's, it's yeah. fucking boots. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> they just like ran with it just fucking tight okay now you're too low just turn it back up a smidge okay uh, one, day we'll, one day we'll get this right yeah okay we're good i think we're right in the range I'm trying okay. to make this sound Sweet better spot. for you people but i wanted to talk um wait which one of us should go first you can go first uh i want to talk a little bit about um Kissinger and his legacy and um, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot to get into, obviously. Uh, but I I think like a real basic primer on him can be gleaned from the Cambodia thing. So one of the things you see online a lot, some a meme that gets passed around, is uh, this Anthony Bourdain quote. Anthony Bourdain we all love him. The chef that did heroin and was edgy, you know, big Gen X hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, love doing laundry. Uh huh. Forgotten about him. <laughs> uh, interesting. <laughs> I guess I can kind of get into that. Yeah, this is an interview where he's talking about how meditative it is to do laundry. Oh my god, our voices are exactly the same level now. I'm so happy. That's so hot. <sighs> Five years into making sound things on the internet, I think I'm finally starting to figure out how to do it. Okay, so. The quote is Anthony Bourdain. Once you've been, once you've, I can't do him. Once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You will never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous, prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose or attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia, the fruits of his genius for statesmanship, and you will never understand why he's not sitting in the dock at The Hague next to Milosevic. Pretty cool. We love it, folks, don't we? He does heroin, and he's a chef, and he's cool, the bear. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, obviously I agree with Anthony Bourdain. I sometimes wonder, like, what his like what what his entire worldview is because he's he is that gen x guy where he can identify a bad thing but like not always a bad system or whatever you know uh but the cambodia thing is a good thing to point out because i was kind of reading about kissinger as he died and it was topical and i have a podcast where we talk about things so i thought maybe i should brush up a little bit and um i think if, if I, unless i'm getting this wrong i think the bombings of Cambodia were kind of his origin as like war criminal Kissinger because 
his early life, which is what every fucking politician is talking about right now because they they're politicians. So it's their job to go, you know, here's the best thing about this person. Uh, and let's, you know, um, remember them for it or whatever. His early life is like, you know, escaping Nazi Germany. He was a Jew from Nazi Germany. And, he, you know, you, you hear that and you think, well, this is probably going to be someone who, um, you know, who learned a lesson from the evils of history and war and stuff like that and devotes their life to maybe uh, preventing those things from happening. And then ironically, as so often is the case, he becomes a mirror image of the very thing, right? There's a lot of parallels here with various things that are happening <clears throat> in the world. Um, <laughs> he, uh, so he was like a Harvard graduate, uh, you know, had an MA and then a, a PhD and stuff like that. And he, I think I remember reading like he, his dissertation was on like some of fucking just dissonant philosophy, Kantian shit, and it was so long. He's the reason that they have a like a word limit on what your dissertation is allowed to, or the length really? your dissertation is about to be. Yeah, <laughs> interesting historical factoid or whatever. But he, um, you know, found his way into working for think tanks and stuff like that. Is just always the case with these people. They kind of move through the private sector, and. I'm glossing over stuff because this is, you know, this is news of the week and there are going to be a lot of fuck, a lot of longer, more intricate stories about him. But uh, details that are important, I think, here are that. So he's hanging around the private sector, deciding he kind of wants to go into politics and stuff. And then Nixon started running for president. And get this. He didn't like Nixon Hmm. until... Nixon was elected. And then he decided, I'm going to try to work for Nixon. I bring this up because it strikes me as really similar to like all of the Republicans that are debating in the debates right now who all had like were, you know, like a Chris Christie, I hate Donald Trump until like he wins. And then, well, now I'm going to work with him or whatever. That's kind of like where things shifted or turned. I'm imagining. I don't know. Interested to see if uh, if there's a critique of this thing I'm sketching out that maybe isn't true. Yeah. But I mean, but, I think in, from the documentary, it sounded like he was playing both sides in the '68 race, and basically was already saying to like people from both Humphrey's campaign on the Democratic side and Nixon's campaign uh, that I'll get you a job when after the election's over. He just assumed he would be in the White House either way, and I guess. He ended up being correct. Who, who's to say what would have happened if, if Humphrey won? But I think there's a pretty good chance because he wasn't Henry Kissinger yet uh, that he would be even in a Democratic uh, White House. And of course, he did give lots of advice to Democratic presidents as well. That's true. He was in there no matter what. And I think like, you know, more than anything, he was part of the upper crust. This is a, yeah. a class, you know, solidarity more than, you know, partisan thing or whatever uh and for whatever reason just really fucking like had made his life's mission this statesmanship real politique fucking weird thing so you know nixon kind of ran on 
promising to try to wind down the Vietnam War, right? Mm-hmm. But apparently, like, once he was in office, he privately told Kissinger and a bunch of other people that he uh, he really didn't want to be the first president of Amer- of the United States to lose a war. <laughs> so his personal neuroticism is part of what got in the way here or whatever. And when they were negotiating uh, with, you know, the president of uh, if the president's the right side, but the, yeah, I think the president of Cambodia at the time, fucking uh, North Vietnam and South Vietnam, you know, try, trying to figure out a way to stabilize the situation in a way that makes them look good or whatever. Um, basically, the Cambodia thing came to a head where uh like they knew that the Viet Cong had bases in neighboring Cambodia Cambodia being neutral in the whole situation as a state so this geographically works to the advantage of the Viet Cong and technically the United States shouldn't be allowed to bomb Cambodia for that reason, or at least the president should be able to do it without going to Congress and making like an argument that like, you know, Oh, we need to be able to bomb these thing. Cause it's working to the advantage. Maybe you could declare them, you know, de facto an ally to Vietnam or something like that. Um, they kind of decided in the smoky back rooms that they would communicate in. Cause Nixon and Kissinger were just really into like circumventing shit and subterfuge. And, you know, it, obviously like Watergate and stuff like that happens after this, but there's like a lot of people that argue, this is the origin of that. Like their, their relationship is that they figured out working together. Like, Oh, it's really, we got a cool thing going here. Where we just like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of sneak around together and like, get around the official avenues for this sort of stuff um they came up with this idea to bomb all of these like supposed bases in cambodia and they knew that if they took it to congress that it you know wouldn't pass or it'd be this long thing so they wanted to do it in secret because at the time you were you know i I, like we talked about this a couple episodes ago like you know the precedent at this point kind of was that you know, there wasn't like an internet, you know, there weren't journalists over there. You could probably get away with doing something like this and having no one ever know about it. Uh-huh. So they came up with this thing called operation. Uh, well, the first one was called, the first one was called operation breakfast. It later on, the whole campaign became known as operation menu because they came up with the bombing campaign over breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, uh, the first campaign where they they did all this back channel stuff, you know, they had the, the situation where like the 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 only person that even knows the whole story is the guy flying the plane, you know, everybody else is kind of knows one piece of the piecemeal. Uh very tricky stuff. Um they they fuck dropped a shit ton of bombs on Cambodia and it went over so well or at least it, it you know, they pulled it off that they then decided to add on Operation Lunch, which was the next one. And Operation... (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. (laughs) It's Operation Breakfast and then Lunch. The next one, get this, this is my favorite one. Operation Snack. (laughs) Oh, man. That's what you have after lunch. Uh-huh. Every bombing campaign subsequently like represented the different part of like a, like 
a meal throughout the day. There was uh, Operation Dinner and then Operation Supper, which are, I think, interchangeable terms for the same meal, but whatever. Yeah. Got me to technicality. They did, uh, did they do like Operation Apertif to make it seem like the French were still kind of involved? It seems like because they wanted to keep adding like more bombing campaigns onto this, that eventually that's what it would have turned into is like Operation Midnight Snack, Operation, uh, you know, third meal, like Taco Bell, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but it's, I don't know, it's like a handful of those. And then like the whole thing cohesively is known as Operation Menu, <laughs> which is just fucking weird, right? Um yeah, but so like they initially sort of got away with it and then uh you know eventually years later there was a leak about it. They screamed at each other about it and then like 4 years later I think it became like an actual really 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 publicized thing, but um but I thought it was interesting because there are a lot of parallels in the ends of these sorts of things supposedly justifying the means and in them um downplaying how many what is referred to in military speak and media speak as enemy non-combatants were killed. So according to their own reports, I think it's like 4,000 non-combatants fucking civilians were killed in these bombing raids. Uh, You we're talking about Richard fucking Nixon. Like you have to assume (laughs) that it's more. And I think what uh, Anthony Bourdain is talking about is when you go over there, you realize like they fucking destroyed, they scorched the earth, you know, that's part of these uh, campaigns. And it just reminded me a lot of what's going on in Gaza because they're uh, a, like they're making the, the ground uninhabitable with the amount of bombing they're, they're doing, which is deliberately happening, I think, in the case of uh, Israel bombing Palestine, um, but also the the juking of the, the numbers, the juking of the stats, you know, mm-hmm. is relevant and also the justification for it being that oh well they're hiding these commandos in this space so i have to blow up all these civilians is something that like i guess i guess my point here is that this is not new like don't let anyone tell you that this is a new complicated thing that has not been gone over in history before you know yeah, I mean, kind of as you were alluding to, they knew that this was not a winnable war. Kissinger went to Vietnam, saw it firsthand, and concluded there's no way that the U.S. is going to come out with a dub. Uh, they did it, as you said. They kept it going basically just to save face because it would look bad for Nixon as president, but also the U.S. empire as a whole to to take the L. Uh, on this, like the, 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 we needed American legitimacy to to be extended in their eyes, so they just uh, arguably undermine that legitimacy by keeping the war going. Uh, and it's just sickening that they even extended it into Cambodia, just not again, not even to win, just to just purely for image sake. Yeah, it's also a proxy war, you know, because this is like the beginnings of the Cold War um, between North Korea being backed variously by China and the Soviet Union. Obviously, this has nothing to do with Vietnam in a lot of ways. It's just like who gets to have hegemony over here. Um, there are also an, a couple of other parallels that I think are interesting. One of them is that by doing this, by destabilizing Cambodia to such an extent, the liberal government of uh, Cambodia 
like I think fell. There was like a coup, um, and then there was like a, a U.S. backed like fucking puppet guy installed, and this led to the eventual galvanization of the Khmer Rouge, who are bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, they were communists, but they were the bad kind, and a lot of what the Khmer Rouge used as propaganda to get you know people to to organize was and as a result of the power vacuum this is how fucking you know isis and the taliban and sex like this come about all the time and fucking you know maybe make a comparison here to like hamas uh they used like imagery of the fucking just desolated landscape that the united states affected on uh on the on the state of cambodia right so that seamless that easily entices people into uh being opposed to this like liberal puppet u.s backed government that they get set up so that that led there's a lot of arguments to be made that like the Khmer Rouge probably wouldn't have like happened had not yeah. kissinger and nixon skirted the rules here and tried to you know it's like when you're playing monopoly and you try to steal money from the bank or whatever like right. <laughs> you know <laughs> there's maybe an argument for like methodology here and stuff like that because i think they really what they were saying was like you know this is really like this will it'll make things happen. That'll actually be good. And then, um, you know, ask for forgiveness, not for permission or whatever. Um, the other f- interesting thing about this story is that there was a negotiation between Kissinger as this like young fledgling, you know, statesman between him and the Viet Cong. And, uh, you know, obviously he was also working closely with the, uh, the, the the president at the time of fucking Jesus Christ high school. If you're my high school teacher, email me and tell me which of these <laughs> fucking things I'm getting wrong. But there, there was a leader in South Korea, obviously, and another one in North Korea that he was there. Fucking Vietnam. <laughs> I'm canceled. Fuck South uh, Vietnam and North Vietnam. And um, so anyway, yada, yada, yada. What happened is he eventually negotiated for uh he made a deal that essentially was that the U.S. would draw withdraw a bunch of forces if the North Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, gave some hostages up. It's the mm-hmm. POWs, John McCain and shit, right? And for this deal, both Kissinger and this guy, uh, Talk is his name, the Viet Cong leader, both of them were given the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, damn. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck. The Nobel Peace Prize is like needs to end as an institution because it's like almost always you hear about it and you're like, why are they giving it to like, you know, Osama bin Laden? Like whatever's making fucking (laughs) sense. They just give it to people who kill people. It's fucking bananas. Right. um, They gave it to Obama in 2009, like right around the time he announced we were just going to keep that thing going in Afghanistan. Uh, and th- they were asked about it and they were like, well, it was like an aspirational prize. So we're hoping that he does wind down the wars after he gets this award. It's going to help him chill out a bit. Yeah. The thinking behind it is very bizarre. It's like if, if someone is doing as much killing as possible, you're like, well, they're actually a peace hero when they stop, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so the fucking hilarious thing about this, though, is that the uh, the, the communist revolutionary talk just flat out refused the award like saw the inherent 
fucking contradiction here and uh, thought he'd be a hypocrite or whatever, I guess. And um, Kissinger was like kind of embarrassed about it and like tried to sort of like not take it. And then he took it and then he like after he had it, he tried to give it back. I think he like donated the money to something. Um, Even he early on kind of could see this is bullshit, you know. But I think what happens after that is that, uh, like, this this becomes the blueprint, you know, and the method continues. And it's like when you track someone's career like this, you know, I don't know, it's like stolid in interesting ways where it's like, you know, you eventually these, these little um, these little deals with the devil you make sort of become more of the method. And then by the end of it, you're just like. You're not even the person you were at the beginning of your career, sort of stuff. Don't yell at me about Stalin. I think he's complicated. Uh, <laughs> I I like the Soviet Union, um, but um, yeah. So then from there, the you know his Wikipedia page lists just the dozens of other fucking operations that happen in various countries and stuff. But yeah. Cambodia, I guess, the one that made him the motherfucker he is. When Henry became Henry, yeah, kind of like uh, Punisher Born. If anyone's read that, it's when it explains why Frank Castle became the Punisher. Uh, it's about him in Vietnam, and he—I won't spoil it—but a lot of gnarly stuff happens. Um, is that Garth Ennis? Yes, it is. It sounds uh, like him. Yeah, it's got some very, very graphic uh, scenes in it, but uh, good read. Um, something else I, w- I just wanted to mention from the docs I found very interesting is that Kissinger was able to, uh, I don't know how the, the chain of command for this works, but he was able to stipulate that his personal files, which are supposed to be made public as a matter of history, documentation of history. Uh, he got it, um, stipulated so that they are not going to be released until five years after his death. Uh, so in 2028, we could get some some crazy shit um, out there circulating. I don't know if that has anything to do with how, like, it, it feels like it was, he willed himself to live this long. Um, I don't know if there was someone in particular who's trying to outlive, who, like, knows something and is waiting for it to be confirmed in these papers or something like that. Uh, but ostensibly, these will be, for public consumption, of course, you know, like the JFK documents, there's ways to just skirt the rules and not release them. Uh, but that's going to be interesting to see five years from now what what comes to the fore. Yeah. Wow, that sucks. That's crazy. You're allowed to do that. <laughs> I don't understand the rules for like statutes of whatever the fuck that is, where they go like, okay, in 10 years, you get to know whether we did MK Ultra. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it's happened by accident or just from the church committee shed some light. But um, there was something that came out yesterday. Apparently, this was public information. Um, It just hasn't been talked about in a while. But uh, a faction of Likud, which is like the conservative party in Israel. That's the one that Netanyahu is like head of, right? Right. Yeah. They uh, conspired to kill Henry Kissinger in the, 19, <laughs> in the 70s. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, this is from Daniel Bogoslaw from The Intercept, who dug up this old uh, article, 
where it was confirmed um, they put out a hundred fifty thousand dollar contract on Henry Kissinger. Uh, this is according to the New York Daily News in the during the Carter administration. Um, but uh, the the reason for that is kind of complicated. You know, it's kind of surprising. Uh, but he really, I guess, was like kind of an America first guy because he was helping negotiate a deal in the Middle East. And, you know, he had said that it's best for America to have the Middle East in just a constant state of, of war and conflict. Um, that's just good for us for whatever reason. We, we it gives us uh, an advantage in, in overseeing things there. Um, I mean, he wasn't wrong in that that's good for like, the United States as an imperialist evil machine. That's strategic. It's just bad. It like, it's bad. <laughs> it's like right. morally bad. Yeah. Uh, it is, but it, and it also has like some blowback, I guess. And, and that's what he, uh, foresaw here and did try to kind of, um, uh, do an, an agreement, uh, with, uh, Egypt and Syria, that would have Israel withdraw from their, their territories. And, uh, they, he worked with the labor party in Israel to, to, to work through this agreement. And and that made Likud just furious. And they were, they are still like militant. It's just now they control the machinery of the state. There is no significant labor party in Israel. Uh, so they don't have to do shit like this on a clandestine level. But back then they were, they still were, and they put out a hit on, on Kissinger. I don't know how, Serious it actually was, uh, but, um, you know, Kissinger's concern was getting the oil pumping again to the U.S., and uh, he was willing to buck Israel's hard right to make that happen, and uh, they didn't they didn't want it to. I mean, it's an interesting kind of point that uh, he really actually didn't care. He was Jewish, um, and the Holocaust was a really formative thing for him, but he just had such a strange takeaway from it, even as someone who like escaped concentration camps yeah. in Nazi Germany, he didn't really give a shit about anti-Semitism at large like, or like, or even Israel, which of course it's not the same thing. Um, but but you, you would imagine he would have become like a big Zionist or something. Yeah. And it's like, no, he, I think he was a fucking psychopath, man. Yeah. <laughs> he right. really just seemed like he was out to play, he, you know, there's all these comparisons when you read about him to like someone playing the globe like a chessboard, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably how he saw it, man. Because uh, right. he was so into realpolitik, you know. He was, yeah. uh, as Che said in Evita, which I watched the other day, politics is a game of the possible. Um, I, yeah. He, also, hold on, let's back up a second. $150,000 is not that much money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was in the 70s or whatever, but like. I'll do it for half. All I'm saying. <laughs> right, yeah. what have. right. I mean, it's, yeah, hey, it's not, not quite enough to retire on. I, I wouldn't think, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He apparently like I, his view of Israel was purely a utilitarian one for the United States, which is something, you know, Joe Biden has talked about in the, in the past where he was like, we need Israel as much as they need us. We use it as a, a launching pad for all the shit we want to do in that region. Uh, and that's purely how Kissinger viewed Israel. Uh, and in general, didn't really care that much about, uh, 
uh, anti-Semitism, as we're saying, like people fleeing places like um, the the Soviet Union, which I, I, to be clear, don't know too much about this this history in particular. Be curious to learn more. But uh, according to the the Bogus Law article, there was a um, Russian crackdown, and Soviet Jews were escaping. And Kissinger said that helping them was not an objective of American foreign policy. And if they put Jews, <laughs> if they put Jews into gas chambers in the Soviet Union, it is not an American concern, maybe a humanitarian concern, but very clear that those are separate things. The fact that him and Nixon like did all this stuff together is so much funnier. Like you just imagine them it's sort of like a buddy cop situation, buttoned uh-huh. heads and cracking all these racist jokes at each other and stuff. There's a lot of like record of the crazy fucking things that they would say. And I like what you're saying about him viewing Israel as just a fucking proxy for the state, uh, for the United States. I mean, that that really seems consistent with what he was saying about Vietnam and what I was talking about earlier and also like uh, uh, Chile like all of these things it's it's the same operation I'm I'm thinking about the Jakarta method a lot right now like there's like Mm -hmm. a Kissinger method Um, he fucking said about uh, Chile was I I think it was Nixon said it but it was a conversation between the two was they were like we'll make their economy scream (laughs) Yeah, you know, just a wildly evil fucking thing to say, but I I really I'm gonna armchair diagnose him as a sociopath here because I think you can only think of things this way if you're like literally like the globe is a video game. What do I do to my advantage here? You know, right? And he was uh, very shrewd at like his image and 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 deflecting responsibility and blame and and one of the claims that the documentary makes is that, you know, he's famous for dating celebrities. He dated Candace Bergen. He oh, dated, Candace, you are like <laughs> a flower. <laughs> he dated uh, Liv Ullman, Shirley MacLaine, which is uh, hard for me to accept, but it it did happen, even as a, a redhead from Arlington. What, what that ass do, Shirley? <laughs> I'm sliding uh, into your DMs, giving <laughs> you the riz. <laughs> he he even dated Diane Sawyer, who that may have been. <laughs> that one made me that, laugh. <laughs> yeah, it may have been a 100% like I use you, you use me sort of situation because she was, she was a, a, then a diligent uh, reporter and, and maybe – I don't know what's worse. I don't know if that's it's sexist of me to say that. That's kind of like a sleep your way to the top thing. But I don't know if it's worse for me to say that or that she was actually attracted to Henry Kissinger because that's the only other conclusion, <laughs> which is just it hard to hard to even fathom. I don't know um, with that between like that and the Globetrotters thing. I'm like, was it? I mean, they do straight up just have like whoever is in the White House on late night TV and stuff like that and make a celebrity out of them, no matter who the fuck they are or what they're doing. So I guess at the time of all this shit, he was like a guy like you, you know, he's famous. Right. Uh, in a way that like when we're mind bogglingly like uh, we look at. Ellen DeGeneres having, you know, going to a baseball game with George W. Bush and go, how do you do this? That's a fucking war criminal. That's just that happening in real time. (laughs) Kissinger is famous for saying 
power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. So that's in the in the sexual realm, perhaps uh, why people are attracted to him. But I don't know that he really got that much out of it. I don't want to think about whether or not he actually <laughs> uh, consummated his uh, relations. Uh, he however, was talking about power as in he's one of the Harlem Globetrotters. That's what we're uh, attracted to about him. I mean, they must clean up on the in the dating world, I would assume. But um, he did say, well, it was said in the documentary that this was a very uh, conscious political choice to date celebrities. So the press would cover that instead of all the war crimes like that. Oh, was my very, God. That yeah. I mean, it's probably true. But like, wow, that's psychopath shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he was. Always thinking things like that through. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe that's this is why it's be. We, we never think about Pete Davidson's war crimes because we're always obsessed <laughs> with who he's dating. <laughs> right. Uh, or the uh, Armenian genocide with the Kardashians. I don't know which, I don't know anything about that either. I don't know which side they were on. I'm, I'm, I, I'm against it. Uh, and I assume they are too. So probably not a good example. But. Um, Pete Davidson yeah. did it. <laughs> he was like, "Yo, I'm gonna kill all these Armenians, man." <laughs> Sounds like something he would I'm do. Get him, mean. <laughs> um, but as uh, as we're, I guess now that we're talking about war crimes, there was a really chilling article that came out in uh, Plus Nine Seven Two magazine which uh, as we've said before that's um, the the area code for that entire region of uh israel palestine and uh they this is a publication with uh with israeli and palestinian anti-occupation journalists and writers and it was revealed that uh israel is using artificial intelligence to generate targets in their campaign in, in Gaza. Um, and this is like, they've never had this many targets before. So they're just using like computer modeling to see where people will be basically. And they've, they've admitted that uh, they're not going for precision. They're going for damage. They're um, using AI. So they're like today we uh, carpet bombed an area where we suspect that, Steve Harvey is uh, the front man of a hardcore band <laughs> or that uh, what if Ronald McDonald was also a skyscraper yeah. or uh, the target has seven fingers on each hand must be destroyed. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of I mean, they've they also did. A picture. I remember them. They doing a picture of all these uh, people cheering for IDF troops going into Gaza, and, and it was like very clearly an AI generated image. Um, and you can tell that because of the fingers, which apparently I don't know if you saw this, but thieves are now like wearing extra fingers to bank robberies and stuff. Oh like, shit! Rubber fingers. That's yeah, fucking so, brilliant, right? <laughs> So yeah. you just yeah, if you, in court you can just say that wasn't me. It's uh, I, I only have five fingers. It's um, so funny that computers just can't fucking get hands right because that's like a thing when you're like learning to draw. Everyone says drawing hands is the hardest part, but like mm. it's a, impossible apparently. 
yeah, I can't do it. Um, but the so the system that they're using uh, to to kill all these people and and like estimate where they are is <coughs> called Hasbora, which means the gospel. Um, so they they're Incredible. looking at this in a very yeah theological light. They're using this this system, and uh, it's it's basically called. There's an intelligence officer quoted who calls it a mass assassination factory. Um, it's it's kind of sickening. Uh, we'll link to this article, but like this is just proof positive that they really do not care about civilian life, and uh, you know this is kind of a new era where that's Palestinian civilians are finally getting mentioned by mainstream U S media and, uh, politicians, but they're not actually going to do anything to stop this because the, the capabilities for killing them are only getting greater. And, uh, it's not, um, you know, something that they are shy about admitting that they're, they are targeting civilians. They, they, they have the, this term power targets, which uh, maybe that's like places where Henry Kissinger fucks, but uh, power <laughs> targets, high rises, residential towers, public buildings, universities, banks, government offices, uh, and I you know, call this my pussy pad. <laughs> Come back to my bachelor apartment. <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. But the uh, the people in Israeli intelligence say that these strikes. Are uh, that, that that they're going to exert civil pressure on Hamas? That this is going to help undermine Hamas? That's the excuse that they're giving, which is just bullshit. And like we know this from from World War II, and it was you know I remember uh, on the day after you know the, the the week that this invasion was starting, Naftali Bennett was interviewed, uh, and he and he was asked about Palestinian civilians, and he was like, "Are you serious? Are you seriously asking about Palestinians? Was anyone asking about?" German civilians in the the bombing of Dresden, and uh, in fact, yes, or maybe not enough yeah. people at the time. But in <laughs> retrospect, there's like a famous book written by one of the great Jewish American authors, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, about the bombing of Dresden because he concluded, and historians have concluded, the thinking at the time was this will cause the people to rise up and overthrow the Nazis. When really, it just murdered them. It, it really did nothing other than just continue. Uh, mass suffering that needlessly like yes they were nazis but uh and of course different situation but like it's just amazing that that's the excuse they trot out yeah that's there's just all sorts of mental gymnastics happening when people get into shit like that because it's like aren't you doing this because you're so concerned about the people in germany like isn't that part of there's jews still living in germany that aren't all they're not all in the concentration camps um the what I was gonna say is, um, I watched this clip earlier. Somebody had their phone out and they sort of, uh, you know, ran up on Marco Rubio when he was on his way to go vote on some dumbass bullshit. Like I'm sure he was. Um, and they asked him, you know, about like, do you not care that all these children have been murdered? And it's really just unnerving to see politicians that have been briefed on this sort of shit and. Uh-huh 
internalize the party line because he did not hesitate to say yes i am sad about the babies and it's hamas's fault is how they spin it it's like if we're going to talk about palestinians now if that's a a fact of the arena that we're in uh they already figured out a way to to talk about it they go yes it's very sad and it's happening because of hamas like it's hamas's fault that israel is killing hamas and palestinian babies and shit it's fucking stupid very sad. Yeah. Um, also, I was going to say, uh, I, I just, someone brought this up the other day because it was Spotify wrapped day, the day that Henry Kissinger died, which is now known as <laughs> Kissinger wrapped. One of the bits going around. Very funny. Good job, everyone on the internet. But um, there's uh, a piece in, in these times by someone named Jennifer Stavros who, no relation, I'm sure, uh, says in 2021, in November 2021, it was announced that Spotify co-founder and CEO Daniel X investment company Prima Materia had invested a hundred million pounds, which is $114 million in US dollars in Helsing, an artificial intelligence company based out of Europe that assists in military technological ad- uh, technological ventures. Helsing's AI technology is reported to assist with battlefield operations, helping to identify and assess multiple collected forms of data via sensors in order to assemble a picturesque viewpoint, which military agents could then use at their discretion. I think it's exactly what we're describing here. It's fucking funded in part by Spotify. Mm. That's fucked up. Wait, is this guy named Daniel X? No, Ek, E-K. I was like, wow, did Elon name his new uh, app after him? No, he named it after his girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend. Grimes. Uh, No, actually, do you know the real story there? Is that he already owned that fucking domain name? Because when he was starting... um, I think it was like PayPal he was like a part of or whatever. He kept trying mm-hmm. to call it X and like everyone he worked with told him it was a terrible name. <laughs> and so he owns like all the property rights to this fucking X thing, which is why since he already bought a thing and then tanked it, which was Twitter, I guess he just was like, well, here's a way to consolidate this shit that he already owns. Damn. Fucking stupid. The search engine optimization garbage. Like you can't yeah. just <laughs> call your website one letter. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it really, so people were saying this a little while ago that he's deliberately trying to tank the company. And I, at first thought that was giving him too much credit and I still am am skeptical of that. I don't think he really has any kind of grand plan. He's kind of an idiot bumbling through the world. But, uh, after this past, uh, week at that conference, uh, (laughs) I'm not sure what to think. It, it's felt like. He watched, we, we talked about Succession earlier with Logan yeah. Roy. It feels like he watched Succession and was like, I want to do that. I'm going to be like that guy in the, because there's a scene from the last season where, what's his face? Uh, Kendall like intentionally tanks a conference in a similar way. And he's like, I'm going to do that. Uh, but I can't tell if he's like, it's some really elaborate plan in his head or he is actually trying to take. <laughs> Twitter, or he really thinks that there is a way uh, for this new model to to thrive, and this is the beginning of that. But it's just so painfully cringe to see him trying to. If, in case people haven't seen the clip, he's uh, asked <laughs> by Andrew Ross Sorkin about 
um, advertisers dropping and uh, what's referred to as the advertiser boycott for his controversial statements. And he's like, you know what I said to them? Uh, go, go, go fuck yourself. Is I hope that's clear. Go fuck yourself. You can't blackmail me uh, with with money. Um, but that's that's like that's just capitalism, dude. Like you you, you own yeah, a, a social media company, thing. right? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know I don't know how this system is supposed to work. I guess it's just he wants more Twitter blue or, and more bots uh, on the, who, who have thrived. Uh, I, it's it's really like dumb guy shit watching someone reach for a word they don't know and grab the wrong one when he yeah. said that like you're bl- that you can't blackmail me in defense or in in response to people like advertisers just not wanting to make a deal with him uh-huh. I, I mean it just reminds me of like what when you talk to like a cop and they're like you know well, I did ascertain that you were uh, intoxicated. You know, they just like overusing words that don't apply to the fucking situation or whatever. Um, I, th- I, th- I think you might be onto something though with him being into succession because he does like, like when everyone was playing Elden Ring, he was like posting pictures from it and too. He does. He just desperately wants to be liked, so he gloms on to all the, the the things that everyone's doing and like. I could see him being like, I'm doing a bear hug right now, you know, because <laughs> like you would learn all those like business terms of the week from whatever the fuck is happening in succession. But um, but I also think he might be into the new interview with a vampire because he looked mm. like a dead body. Did you see how pale he was? Yeah, it's weird. The only color he had was in his lips. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, it's not that often I get to be less white than someone. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but that speaking cool. of uh, speaking of grifters, uh, one we we have a lot more respect for is now no longer a member of Congress. I'm sad to say, George Santos has officially been expelled from the House of Representatives. Um, Critical support for Comrade Santos. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, uh, Kathy Hochul, she later corrected this, but she issued a statement that uh, the people she's going to appoint somebody to fill his spot. We don't know if it's a Democrat or Republican yet, but um, but she said the people of Long Island deserve no less than than the representation they're going to get. Uh, they just, is, people of Long Island deserve a lot of things. Let me tell you, pal. <laughs> but that that she may have this may be like a. Uh, Israel, Palestine, uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland proper style uh, statement here because Queens is legally part of New York City and he represents part of Queens. Uh, and she didn't say Queens, she just said Long Island. Uh, but technically, Queens and in all fairness, Brooklyn are geographically part of that strip of land that is Long Island. So she may have uh, uh, doing been doing some signaling there, but she quickly um, sent another email out saying, "Listen, I won't falter. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Queens is weird, <laughs> weird as hell, and she knows it. Yeah, I mean, they deserve weird representation, and they're no longer uh, getting it unless she, she appoints some some other wacko, maybe Eric Adams. Uh, it's so funny that he's like, I, I was thinking about this today when I saw it. I was like, you know, Trump gets indicted like every other week and stuff, and like presidents get impeached all the time, and they don't like lose. He's the only like politician I can think of in recent history that actually got out of the government. Uh-huh. 
it's uh they must really hate that guy for what for scraping a little money off the top buying some botox and subscribing to some only fans he's supporting <laughs> sex work he's supporting small businesses it's the backbone of the american dream folks indeed indeed he's uh yeah i i mean so he was and i was confused about this because like felt like about a month ago there was another vote to expel him that failed. And there were uh, some Democrats like Rashida Tlaib, uh, shout out to her, who who voted against expelling him. Um, but in the time since that, uh, they got enough support to, to fully expel him. And I think the reason was, is there was an investigation that was done by the House Ethics Committee. And it came out that Santos, his his credit card fraud has continued, but he's started to defraud fellow Republican members of Congress. <laughs> that rules. Oh, man. So there's this guy, uh, I think Max Miller, some other Republican shithead congressman who, who said that George, his own credit card statement and his mother's credit card statement had passed the max contributions to George Santos <laughs> and they didn't remember doing it. So somehow he was skimming people's <laughs> credit card info who were also working with him <laughs> in Congress. He's an American hero and he deserves to be reinstated. I kind of, I'm imagining that he was expelled by like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. Mm. That's how Congress works, right? It was like Santos <laughs> 10 points against Santos house. <sighs> Man. That's cool. Uh, well, now he's out and Dave Chappelle's in. Doesn't that suck? That's fucking horrible. Did you see that picture of uh, Lauren Boebert taking a selfie oh, with Dave Chappelle? Yeah. And some other stupid representative. Right. Yeah. I hate to say I, mean, I called it, but folks, fucking listen to me. All comedians <laughs> are bastards. There's a chance he didn't. He has no idea who she is. And she's <laughs> just like, oh, a fan. Okay. I, I think that he's like somebody said that he's been online at some point trying to walk back and claim that whatever. But I think uh, uh, fucking I, I've mentioned this guy's tweets a few times on our podcast. I guess I'm a fucking fan of Gianmarco Ceresi, but he said uh, he's put it pretty well the other day, which is that if you're a comedian, politicians shouldn't want to take a photo with you. Mm. Yeah, you no, know? it's very true. Um yeah, he's uh, become a hero to to that uh, wing of American politics, which sadly does include uh, George Santos. There was a, a video of him. We don't actually like him. <laughs> it's, like a, it's, it's a joke. He's just- I mean, he's changed his personality and his his persona, his identity, so many times that maybe he'll be on the right side of history. He's, I think a brilliant, like catch me if you can con artist type guy or something, because like he's gay, I think, but like he got, um, he's one of the things he got busted for was, you know, using misappropriated money to sign up for only fans and a, a woman who is an only fans, uh, content provider. Like it came out and said, yo, he was subbed to mine. So like, I don't even know if he's gay. Maybe maybe he's bi or I, who knows, Ooh. but like, you don't know. Like, he's just fucking with all of us. <laughs> it's, I respect it so much. Is he his sister? Because we we're talking about this <laughs> a few weeks ago, and there's a picture that came out of his, and it looks, it's very strange. I mean, I guess it, 
It seems like know. it's probably not him because I have seen him in drag and it looks different from that. But I mean, maybe he's just has a new, you know, set of set of makeup and outfits. Uh, but she, she was pretty hot in my opinion. And she hasn't been interviewed. I haven't seen any <laughs> like video interviews with her. So that could have been that could have been George. I don't know. Okay. So you think she was hot and you also think she was George Santos. Yeah. All right. Maybe you discovered something about yourself today. <laughs> Power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. That's all I'm saying. And that's true. Yeah, he's so powerful. Wellspring of power. Um, <laughs> he's our, there, our the new Kissinger. Yeah, yeah, man. I so I tweeted this, but I think you know there's a chance Eric Adams is going to get indicted. Um, you know, or at least have to resign in disgrace or not be reelected. I mean, this is all wishful thinking, but it's a real possibility. I think there's a chance they will do like a, an an AM radio show in the New York area together. Santos Adams. That'd be so cool. You know, cause they do like the bipartisan thing. Like we got a liberal and a conservative and you just have the two weirdest, most insane people who still represent, uh, those, the, the bipartisan dynamic, um, duking it out every morning that's all it takes to make an entertaining podcast in my opinion anders lee and myself jake <laughs> flores yeah george you're always welcome <laughs> for real we need a third mic and maybe a fourth fucking get eric adams in here get him out of the mayorship and you know i always say this about trump you know if he was just back to being an entertainer he'd be the fucking best in the game yeah Eric Adams, I don't want him running New York, but I'd listen to him talk at a bar for a couple hours. I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. He, did you see that clip, too, of him, a chubby Eric Adams um, from, I don't know what year it was from, but he was speaking at a, an anti-Kissinger rally uh, <laughs> a while ago. Wait, was he chubby in the past? Yeah, he's chubby and had a mustache. That's I mean, so was, funny. Yeah. And then he went uh, vegan. And uh, lost all those pounds, but oh wow, yeah, I think it did something to his brain because he was also a Bernie supporter in 2016. Really? Some, yeah, I don't know why. Um, I mean, I think it was because Bernie was one of the only people who visited uh, East New York, and he liked that. He, I think it, I think it was just like a petty thing, like he couldn't get a phone call with Hillary Clinton, so. Wow. um, I am not afraid to take the A train. (laughs) The gigs out here aren't not as bad as they say they are. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Damn. All right. Well, rest in pieces, rest in piss, et cetera. Um, Oh, real quick. You know what else we should tackle? Take What's an that? issue we should take on. Did you see this clip of uh, the Juliana Margulies interview on that podcast she was on? No. You didn't see this? No. What's, what do you think? Oh, my you, God. No? Juliana Margulies, she's uh, an, a TV actress, not to diminish her, but she's mostly done television roles. She was on. <laughs> Wrong uh, that. We're in the era of TV at the moment. Yeah. She was on. I think she was on ER, but she was the protagonist of The Good Wife. You ever see this? About the lawyer in Chicago. Is that like the good doctor? (laughs) I am a wife. (laughs) Maybe it was a spinoff, actually, now that I think about it, because I think they were both on CBS. 
Uh, <laughs> oh no, Good Doctor is a spinoff of the Korean show or a take on. That. Yeah, but, it's like uh, a remake. Yeah, um, but she was. You see, you, you have you f- finished The Sopranos? No. Oh okay. wait, is she the one that's on The Sopranos? She is on season five of The Sopranos. She's the one. She's the real estate agent who gentrifies Newark. She uh, she sleeps with Tony and is able to convince him to uh, sign over Satriali's or some other deli he owns to be a uh, Jamba Juice. I'm stuck uh, on season three. I got bored and switched over to Deadwood because Deadwood is extremely fucking good. Okay. Well, if you saw this woman, you would recognize her. But she um, is... As far as I know, I, I think it's uh, come out that she is evidently heterosexual in a heterosexual marriage and identifies personally as a heterosexual. But she was interviewed on a podcast and she was talking about the loony left and their position on Palestine. And she said a number of things in the first, apparently this is just like in the first five minutes, uh, she sits down to gab and then I maybe isn't used to talking global events. Uh, but she's complaining about how uh, all these queer people are supporting uh, Palestine when if they went to any Muslim country, she even said any Muslim country, not just like Gaza, which is usually what they do. Um, yeah. Any Muslim country, if you're queer, they will chop off your head and use it like a soccer ball, like play soccer with it. Uh, yeah. And then she went on to say there is a story about a uh, black lesbian organization at Columbia, which in, in reality, I, as I understand it, they had a, a screening of a movie and they were like, we're anti-Zionist or maybe they said something to the effect of uh, we don't want Zionists to show up to disrupt or something like that. But of course that got re- reported as anti-Jewish and we don't, you know, they said they didn't want Jews, which is a, a lie. But uh, she cited this story and she's like, I play a a lesbian on the Apple TV show, The Morning Show. So as a gay woman, uh, (laughs) this is ridiculous. And uh, these these she even said, if you're a black lesbian, it's got really weird. She's like, you are lower than a just a normal uh, Jew. Uh, So you should be grateful that. Jews have had your back in the past. Like they, they started the civil rights movement. Other people have, have claimed, um, it's just, uh, yeah, kind of an amazing clip. And, uh, of course I don't think she's going to face any professional repercussions for this. We have pro Palestine entertainers, artists getting dropped by their agencies. Uh, on the other side, it seems like there is no limit to what you can say. um, you know, and uh, I don't even know if she's Jewish or not. It doesn't matter. She's a she's a supporter of Israel, and it, they just there's this impunity, this sense of impunity, because the only place this is getting talked about so far is social media, like Twitter. Uh, maybe it's on the other apps too, but like I, it's kind of depressing that you can say stuff like that and face no ramifications, and on the other end, say pretty non controversial just facts about the situation for Palestinians, what their lives are like, what Israel does to this society, and you get canned. Yeah, no, man, I, I've been thinking about that a lot because, like, um, you know, what Susan Sarandon said can be taken out of context, and I think, like, you can discuss the nuance of it or whatever uh, and say, you know, maybe this could be read the wrong way. Susan Sarandon, who got fucking 
blackballed from her uh, representation or agency or whatever for speaking out in defense of Palestine. At least fucking liberals were getting into my uh, mentions about it and going, well, you know, actually, she said it like this. She should have said it like this and stuff. And it's like fucking Sarah Silverman a few weeks ago just said outright that like the Palestinians deserve to to have their electricity and water cut off and have their fucking children die because Hamas didn't release hostages or whatever the fuck. And she hosted the daily show two weeks later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like this is not, th- this goes one way and not the other. And it's just like idealist fucking claptrap. The idea that, that this is some sort of like even playing field. Don't fucking give into those people. Don't have a little enlightened debate with them about it. That they're they're being disingenuous and they're advancing the fucking cause against us. It's fucking stupid. Fuck those people. Um. Uh, what the fuck else? Oh, also, what just just to the point that this person is making about um, you know, about about queer people supporting Palestine. This is a thing you hear all the time is, uh, oh, if you went over there, they would fucking cut you in half with a big curvy sword or whatever. You know, it's fucking racist and stupid. But, you know, Hamas is not like woke. Sure. It's a right wing, you know, fundamentalist religious thing. It's 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 the thing that's operating right now because religion is a good template for things to get projected onto and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's somebody uh, I wish I had the thread in front of me right now so I could cite everything that's happening. But, but basically, a writer had a good point about this a while back, a queer writer about how, um, you know, in the past there have been struggles with like um, minors, you know, unionized minors, like like coal miners, not children uh, in Europe. And they've been made of openly bigoted lumpen proletariat Archie Bunker guys who, you know, were by and large, not very welcoming to the burgeoning queer movements of the late 20th century in Europe. But when like queer rights organizations critically supported those minors and their struggles, you know what fucking happened afterwards, a generation later, solidarity because they realize that you know together our interests are the same because our interests are against capital against the fucking ruling class and that causes that shit to move forward what liberals are arguing when they say shit like that is that like what israel is doing is what is going to cause things to move forward you need to carpet bomb people and impose like a fucking mcdonald's with a rainbow flag on it or whatever and that's going to lead to like gay rights or whatever not fucking true also like Israel's hella homophobic. It's like not illegal. It's the gay marriage is not legal there and shit. Yeah. Um, this is just not seeing the fucking forest for the trees. It drives me insane. It's, it's, uh, not hypocritical to go against your own interest in the short run. When you understand the, the long game here, which is eventual solidarity. Hmm. Yeah, that and that's a great segue to some uh, some other recent news that the UAW has come out officially in support of a ceasefire, uh, which is big, I think, because um, you know labor is the hope of the world, as the saying goes, and uh, it's one thing. It's great to get uh, uh, statements from celebrities, notable people, academics, etc. 
No, uh, labor getting political is like the fucking whole goal, right? Right. Which, to be clear, uh, UAW does include academics, but, but with that, with that noted, like having, yeah, having an actual uh, organization that controls certain choke points in the economy that's supporting an internationalist cause is a huge uh, fucking deal, and that's not something that would have happened without the uh, election of Sean Fain and that whole UAW reform movement. Uh, so that is, it is an exciting time in labor for that reason. You know, I heard a really interesting argument recently that uh, Sean Fain would not have won that election had it not been for the academics that are in the UAW, which I think is interesting. Uh, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that right. tells you that there's a formula for, uh, you know, having the intelligentsia and the workers and us all sort of coming together as an organ, which has happened in the past, that actually is something you can look back at Soviet Union shit yeah. and go, oh, you know what? These guys were cooking. There's kind of a point there to this Vanguard idea and stuff like that. Right. Not against it. And if you talk to a lot of auto workers, uh, like literal auto workers, uh, not all of them, uh, I assume, but you know, the, I have seen quotes uh, from people who have said, like, we like having these uh, people on our side because they can do a lot of research and we need to know data and stuff. And they also have legitimate concerns about their livelihood as, as people in the Academy, which is, it's not all it's uh, cracked up to be. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. That's also why I don't go, you know, people, Oh, all socialists are all a bunch of fucking college middle class. Yeah. That's part of it. Motherfucker. Let's, we need those people and we need workers and you know, we all, we need all of us to come together. Yep. <sighs> All right, I'm screaming at my computer. At, Even uh, George Santos, he's part of us. <laughs> well, there's a job for him. <laughs> in fact, he's really good at certain things. We probably we could use him. Yeah, for subterfuge. Join the dark side, George. Yeah, he could Botox his face into a completely unrecognizable image. <laughs> um, Santos, Matt Reif, that'd be interesting. <laughs> we don't have time to get to that that may be for another episode <laughs> all right this has been a good one man thank you um thank you anders lee for talking to me thank you listeners for listening thank you for continuing to support the show as we evolve and grow uh consider signing up for our patreon for just five bucks that's how we keep this whole thing going and it's how we make quality content and also buy a fucking shirt or something if you feel like it we got a merch store i'm just trying to get better at plugging all this stuff so that we uh, make dollar bills to spend on rent for our apartments. Got any plugs, Anders? Uh, Patreon is is the main one. And uh, yeah, we got a good episode about the Perones cooking back there. And uh, yeah, that's uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley One on Instagram. At Feral Jokes, if you don't know. It's an anagram for my name. I never plug my shit, but maybe I should. All right. Um, he's finished, folks. It's finished.